Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. And we're here. Welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. Everything is going great. We had a great, great week. I had a great, great week. By the way, did you have a great week? Every every day above ground is a good day. Oh, you're so bitter. <laughs> I can't even stand you today. You are the most bitter human being I know. Leave well, me alone. Oh, stop. He's He walked into the studio today, and uh. I'm telling you what, we have a we have an amazing guest as always. And you know what? I went online and said this because I don't care. I'm putting my video out there. We have amazing guests every week, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, sure you do. No, we do. Challenge me on it. I'm going for you if you do. But anyway. Why are you being so aggressive? Seth walks in the studio today. <laughs> easy. And he's like... So bitter about everything. I hate everybody. I said, don't say everybody, Seth. I meant he just did. the bad people. Oh, okay. Well, know, I'm just paraphrasing. Just come on. Oh, he had a tough. I got, I got kids. I got another kid coming. I can't sleep. His life is tough. It's oh. not tough. I'm just tired. Oh, yeah, baby. Ugh. All right. So anyway, what did you do that was fun and good this week? Oh, I, can't, I can't remember. I know. You can't. You're, you're such a baby. No. I gotta, well, I'm going to tell you what today. happened with me. Yeah, let's go. Let's talk more about you. Let's talk about me. It's all about me. Uh, I had my baby girl. That's right. That, yeah. She's my, gorgeous. Yeah, thank yes. you. My son and his wife welcomed their third daughter. And Paige is a gorgeous little girl. She's tiny. And her two bigger sisters, which are three and four, want to play with her and rock her and sing to her. And it's the greatest. It's really fun. But you know what? Here's what's getting to me. I had four kids, three sons and a daughter. My son's like, Ma, I got three girls. Ma, I got... I had three boys. He's not quartering the market on anything. And you're going to have what? A boy? Third boy. So it'll be three boys and a girl. So you'll be me, and he's going to be out on his own. Anyway, they're <laughs> sweet. They're they're very, very sweet, and I love them to death. And on a side note, everybody, I need a prayer for male manager mom having her knee replaced on Monday. With, so, a, with an even better knee. Yeah, with a, yeah, damn it. <laughs> She's getting a better knee than the one she has. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. Yes, I said, Ma, you get nervous? No. Not nervous. No. I want to have it done. Yeah, two days before I'm gonna not live at home. Well, I can tell you before that uh, yeah, my mom had both knees done. It's definitely a, a lifesaver for people. Like, was it miserable? Oh, you know, she hasn't lived. Well, my mom lives in my house. Like, I built an apartment for. Oh my yeah, mom. I wouldn't want to live with her. No. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> but I'm saying gosh. she's she's much better off with the knees. She had both knees replaced. Much better off after the fact. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and she gets for around sure. good. Yeah. Rehab was long. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily too crazy long. Oh, okay. She, she. I think she threatened her physical therapist a few times. Yeah. My concern is: is Mom going to be able to do the laundry? 
<laughs> nice. Just mentioning it. Just get her a scooter or something. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, get one yeah. of those rascals to ride around inside my house. Exactly. She'll be fine. Yeah, I'm done with her anyway. She, she needs to get a grip. Wow. Well, I'm just saying, she, you know, she just kind of sits around the house and cooks and cleans know, and but, stuff. But for the show's sake, just pretend that oh, everything's yeah. great. Oh, Ma, yeah. Ma, good luck with your knee. And <laughs> I'll be there to take care of you. She loves you. I, I love you, Ma. <laughs> anyway, today we have this amazing, amazing guest. And it's super like old home week for me because as everybody knows a good part of my life I was a military wife and my father my brothers blah, 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 my nephew who's served three tours in Iraq and wow. still is in the Marines um, we're all military so I've traveled around and done a lot of this stuff but I've never done the crap this girl's done I'm not kidding you we have retired Lieutenant Colonel Tracy and please say your last name La Tourette. La Tourette. Why can't she have a normal name? Well, that's, a great, that's a great name. It what are you talking about? La Tourette. Yeah. It's very, very nice. Sounds French. It, it's very French, is it? I tried to get my husband to take my maiden name. He wasn't up for it. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. Anyway, we have Lieutenant Colonel Tracy La Tourette, known as Air Force Circles as Jackie O. And she is also the first female fighter pilot in the world, or one of the first in the world. Not not the first, sorry about that. Jackie O has flown missions globally as a combat mission ready F-16 fighter pilot and a C-21 Learjet pilot. Holy cow. She has extensive background in weapons and tactics. Watch out, Seth. Uh-oh. Training and coaching, to name a few things. I bet she knows jujitsu. And <laughs> she's accumulated over 3,000 total hours of flight hours of an A- W-A-C-S, which is Air Weapons Control and Pilot. Post 9-11, she flew presidential protection missions and flew in classified locations in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Wow, that's crazy stuff. Jackie has been awarded multiple aerial achievement medals and recently retired 22 years of Air Force service as a lieutenant colonel in the Colorado, which I love, National Guards Joint Staff, where she served as the Deputy Director of Current Operations. It's our honor, and I mean honor, we will salute you, to welcome to the One Tough Mother Show, and she is one tough mother, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Jackie O. Latourette. Welcome! Thank Yay! You. And I butchered that whole thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it, you're amazing. I can't even... Did you do this all in one lifetime? <laughs> Basically. It's, and, and had kids and was a wife. <laughs> so, wow. wow. Yeah, she's really stuck a lot into her life. She's not laying down going, oh, I didn't get this done. <laughs> Don't complain to you about like how, you know, how busy you are. Yeah, <laughs> right? Uh, tell us. Tell us. First of all, I have to ask, just because the audience is going to want to know, why Jackie O? Oh, okay. So Jackie O is my call sign. I have to tell you, uh, call signs are given. They're never chosen. Oh. And they are usually, uh, uh, they usually come from something silly or embarrassing or bad that you did. And um, mine's no different. <clears throat> so do you want the long story or the short story? Give me the wrong. I want the, I want the want blood the, and guts. Okay. Here's <laughs> the blood and guts. Okay. So I had done... Uh, Five years in the active duty as an AWACS weapons controller, uh, women weren't flying, weren't allowed to fly fighters yet when I'd graduated from the Air Force Academy. So I'd gone to that job and for other reasons as well. Anyway, so I, women were allowed to fly fighters now. I finally passed the eye test and, um, and I was on my way to uh, trying to find a place to fly. So long story short, you can probably cut out all of that that I just said. Um, <laughs> No, it's interesting. I'm just getting warmed up. Okay. Um, okay, so 
The uh, Colorado Air National Guard hired me to come fly airplanes, and I had been active duty, and I made the transition to the National Guard. So I was on my way to pilot training, and brand new in the unit, they had never had any women before, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't slow the team down. I wasn't there to change the mission. The only barrier I was trying to break was the sound barrier. And so it was really important to me uh, that I wasn't a distraction. And so I went out on my very first backseat ride, which was pretty lucky to get to go do that before pilot training, to get to go in the backseat of an F-16. And I wanted to make sure I was right there with the guys ready to go. And, you know, we hustle out to the jet and I'm just, you know, trying to be right there with my pilot and thinking I'm pretty cool. We hop in the jet. That I've got this long hair. They don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> so we put the helmet on and it just kind of hangs down out the back. Like, well, that's, that's fine. So we go um, fly the sortie. We do a, a BFM, that's basic fighter maneuvers. It's basically dog fighting. And I'm in the back, I'm checking six, I'm looking over my shoulder for the bad guy, I'm thinking I'm pretty cool, just having a blast. And we come back in, we land, and I'm like, okay, I am not, I'm not gonna slow him down. So we're taxiing in, and you know, you're buckled into the jet in about you know, 15 places, it seems like, it's not quite that many, but, so I'm gonna be ready. So I start unhooking myself everywhere, and I reach up uh, to the, to the um, harnesses to um, unhook the parachute. And I click the right one, and all of a sudden, I feel my head slammed back into the seat. And I looked down, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> my hair, all foot and half of it, is wrapped up in the riser. Oh, no. And remember, my number one goal is to not be a problem. Oh, no. <laughs> so he landed. I hadn't thrown up, so that was a good thing. But now I am one with the jet. My hair is completely stuck, and we're taxiing in, and it's really not that far to the parking space. And I'm yanking, and I'm yanking, and the harder I yank, the tougher, the, the worse the hair gets wrapped up. And, you know, I'm just pulling and pulling, and he turns into the parking spot, and I'm yanking and yanking, and I will not end it like this. I, this will not be the, the end of my career before it's even started. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to start like this. So he pushes on the brakes, and... You know, you can hear the engine pew, shutting down. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and I drop my head for one final prayer. God, please. And I look down. And there, strapped to my leg, is, is um, my parachute knife. I went, thank God. So I pull out this parachute knife. And now the canopy's starting to open. And so I take this big old knife out. It's used to cut the risers on yeah. your parachute in case they're twisted if you have to eject. Uh, so I pull this knife out, and I'm just I'm like, I will not. I'm not going down. I'm like, you know, a bunny chewing its leg off out of a cage, or, you know, <laughs> of a, of a, you know, out of a trap or something. I'm like, cutting, cutting, cutting. So finally, ah, uh, I'm free. Just as the crew chief is putting the ladder up for me to climb down, I'm like, thank God I dodged a bullet. And I look back. And I noticed the riser has all this hair and it is so wound up. It is so tight. You know, I'm like, okay, well, I thought I didn't slow the mission down, but, you know, I get out. And I'm like, okay, I've got two big obvious things. One, they have to ground the jet while they take this whole oh. part of the airplane apart. I mean, it took oh. a few minutes, but still, you know, that's one I'm never going to forget. And then, oh, yeah, there's that other part that I've now Jackie owed my hair on one side. <laughs> so it's long on the left and it's short on the right. And they looked at me and they're like, well, you are Colorado's first lady fighter pilot. And you did just Jackie-O your hair. So Jackie-O it is. Oh, that's <clears> the greatest story, right? That's great. I, I'm so glad you had the knife with you. 
<laughs> I was too. When you took off your helmet, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. They didn't know it was a hair knife. It's They call it a parachute knife. It's a hair knife. <laughs> it's a hair knife. Oh, my God. And your hair's been short ever since. You know, it has. It has been short ever since. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I mean, that would be... And do you get helmet head? Like, oh, bad. Yeah. Yeah, your head. Your head's just like, with helmet. Yeah. Well, tell us from the start. I, you have had the most interesting life. Like, did you... You must have been born and then, like, went on this crazy adventure. Because her parents... Tell them about your parents real quick. Okay. Um, my mom worked for the FBI. My dad was in uh, the top seat. He was a top secret intel guy for the U-2 back when Gary Powers was flying and it got shot down over Russia. So wow. like he wore civilian clothes to work every day. And I mean, they were, you know, they were, they were a big deal. My mom um, quit her job with the FBI to raise the kids, which I thought was incredibly admirable. I found out years later, she said, like, just couldn't get any good childcare. <laughs> <laughs> but they're pretty awesome. They're uh, pretty awesome. That's, um, are they, they both still alive? They are. My dad just oh, turned 80 on Saturday. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, they're great. Happy birthday to your dad. And you have <laughs> brothers and sisters? Or? I do. I have one brother and two sisters. My brother um, is a retired Lieutenant Colonel Air Force pilot also. He took me to see the movie Top Gun on his way to pilot training. Ruined me forever. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about Top Gun with the Jackie O name. You know, Iceman and Maverick yeah, yeah. and Goose. Yeah. yeah. And then I have two other sisters. One's uh, a nurse and an uh, airline flight attendant. She's awesome. Uh, she's the one that actu- actually dropped me off at uh, the Air Force Academy on the first day underneath the sign that said, bring me men. She's like, I almost oh. didn't leave you. <laughs> <laughs> So she's always giving me great advice. And then my baby sister, who is taller and far more mature than I am, is a conductor. She's actually conducted at Carnegie here. Oh, wow. So that she's amazing. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow, so. your mom and dad did a great job. I- I'm kind of the black sheep, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hold a candle so. to them. I don't think, I don't so. think so. Wait, was it a strict military upbringing? Were your parents real strict? Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, I think I was harder on myself than anything. I, I loved gymnastics more than anything. And that's what I did. My, my mom, bless her heart, would be on the couch with a migraine with three feet of snow outside. And she'd get off the couch, jump in the car and take me to practice oh, like, nice. down the hill. And she was amazing. <clears throat> and um, so I think a lot of a lot of the self-discipline, a lot of the pressure um, was internal. Right. My parents were always extremely supportive and never, ever pushed. Now, where did you grow up at? I grew up in a little town called Evergreen. It's in Colorado. It's up in the mountains. Yeah. It's about an hour and a half from the Air Force Academy. Oh, that's crazy. I thought yeah. maybe your dad worked in Washington or something. So he did when he, uh, when he met my mom. They uh, they met in D- in Washington, D.C., and he traveled all around the world. He was a, After he was done with the Air Force, he was a management consultant and fixed uh, big businesses all over the globe. And That's it was, crazy. Yeah. Tracy, why? why? Why the Air Force? Like, why? I mean, <laughs> I mean first of all, I, you, you, were, you were a professional athlete, weren't you? Like, you did, like, great athletic stuff, didn't you? Well, I was, uh, you know, I did gymnastics. Right. I, I was recruited to the Air Force Academy right. for gymnastics, and that was my big sport. Uh, but the reason I found the Air Force Academy was because that's where the state championships were held the first year that I that I made uh, that I made the meet, and so that's where I earned my first title was at the Air Force Academy, and it was just down the road. I'm an hour and a half, but you know, I was little. I I didn't even know it was there, and we showed up, and. There was something about this place, even at a young age, I couldn't really put my finger on it then, but I just remember feeling like it was different, like the whole place was special. It was like you could feel the souls of the warriors, of the heroes who had gone before us and and had graced those halls. 
you know, the men and women who had given the ultimate sacrifice to protect my freedom. They don't right. even know me, you know, to protect all of our freedoms. And I just felt like the expectations were higher there. And I knew it would be hard, but, and I didn't know what job I would do, but I knew it would be hard and I, so I wanted to go do what was hard. Right. That is so amazing. And it is, it's, it's absolutely breathtaking. Everything about it that you said is so true. If you've ever stepped on the grounds there, it's amazing, amazing place. So you go into the air, no, you go home. Hi, Ma, I'm going in the Air Force. (laughs) How'd they feel about that? Well, you know, they're very supportive of everything. And, um, yeah, I, my mom wasn't too excited about the idea of me going to school with 88% men. Right. I, I you know, probably <laughs> well, like that wow. just means I'm good at math. I'm <laughs> yeah, right. A single girl, I'm no dummy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I knew she was worried. Uh, now that I am a mom, I totally get that. I don't know how she did it. She's way stronger than, than me. I'm so protective of our kids. But uh, I knew she was worried, but she never told me not to go. And, um, you know, my dad was supportive, obviously. And, you know, and the whole family was like, you know, Now, did your go brother go before you? So my brother uh, went to Colorado School of Mines and, the, and did the ROTC program. So he was already an Air Force pilot, and he was actually the flying team coach at the Air Force Academy when I was there. So it was oh, cool. great. I mean, I had somebody right there on on base. We, we broke into his house one time to bake cookies. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> That's, and wait, you took a glider, or what, did you take a glider flight? Yeah, so one of the programs they have at the Air Force Academy is uh, you get to solo in a sailplane. Oh, that would so. be, the, be the coolest thing, wouldn't it, Seth? Oh, yeah. Oh, never mind. He's bitter. Go ahead. I'm not bitter. <laughs> I meant that. It sounds really cool. I mean, think about it. You, you've never flown an airplane before, so they put you in one that doesn't have a motor. Oh my gosh! I still don't understand how that's better, but that's that how they started. Sounds scary, yeah. And I have a motor. So how does it work? I guess I was young and dumb and didn't know it was dangerous. <laughs> no, you, it wouldn't have stopped you. No, yeah. I don't think so either. Yeah. Reminds me of hang gliding. Uh, One time I went home and said, "Dad, I'm going hang gliding." He goes, "No, you're not. No, you're not." But how does it work? Actually, they pull you behind the plane and then release. I've seen do. it happen they a million do. times. Uh-huh. But so the you're just in the back seat and somebody's guiding it or well you're you're in the sailplane and right. you know you do a few flights and then you solo and you're just you know being pulled by this small propeller airplane and then you release and then you just fly and wow the land it you have yeah. to land it and hopefully you land it yeah that's yeah. always the Where tricky spot <laughs> <laughs> the landing is the the little bit of a tricky part there but oh that yeah. is so cool so air force was easy Life was <laughs> life was good. You went in, you kicked ass, you walked around like everything was easy. I'm one of the only female fight or one of the first female fighter pilots, so it must have been like, whoop, I'm here. Was it that easy? No, no. In fact, you know, when I went to the Air Force Academy, it was like I said, I didn't know what job I would was going to do. Um, women didn't even uh, get approval to fly combat aircraft until a year after I'd graduated. Uh, and I was nearly blinded as a baby. So I had a, a serious eye infection, you know, as an infant, and my, my mom had to put drops in my eyes around the clock for months. And um, so uh, of, of my entire family, I'm the only one that doesn't have 20-20 uncorrected vision. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I went from nearly blinded to, you know, I'm like, they're like, why are you the one going to the Air Force Academy? I'm like, well, I don't, it's going to be amazing. But, you know, I always said, if God wanted me to be, to be a pilot, he'd have me pass the eye test. So I didn't worry about that. Right, right, no. right, right. 
And so you you get in in your class when uh-huh. you're going through class at the academy. Uh-huh. Was it all men? It was mostly men. I mean, I had some classes where I was the only only woman, and then there were a few where there might be you know anywhere from two to four of us, but. Okay. You know, it's only 12% of us in the whole, in yeah. our whole um, grade, in the whole school. And so active duty-wise, when you mm-hmm. did your active duty tour, were you only stationed in Colorado? Was that your only station? Mm-mm. So when I first graduated from the Air Force Academy, um, I did the AWACS job as a weapons controller. So it was a non-rated air crew position in the back of the aircraft. And that first uh, duty station was at Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma. Okay. And that's where my stuff lived. Um, but we were deployed like 220 days a year, right? Mostly to Saudi Arabia, right? And in Turkey, and you know, to, uh, dealing with the no-fly zone over Iraq. Oh, Trace, tell me about the Saudi Arabia thing <laughs> because it, that was Lovely. way back, way back when, <laughs> like women had mm-hmm. zero voice. Was that still? Oh. Was it? Tell me about how that worked out. Oh goodness, yeah. So. <laughs> It was a lovely, lovely time there. Beach, <laughs> lots of sand, gorgeous. Yeah, it was. It was interesting. You know, I have a whole box of abayas that I collected over the years. Uh, every deployment, they issued you a new the ladies a new abaya. You know, it's a black. It's basically a black sheet that goes over your body, and another black sheet that goes over your head, and you are covered from head to toe. And if you went into downtown Riyadh, you had to be covered head to toe. Even though it was 130 degrees outside, right. and you know, hot enough to melt a, a you know a tire to the runway, <sighs> which happened to us once after the pilot had kind of a you know Ooh. hot brakes on landing, um, so it's hot out, and they want us to cover our bo- whole bodies in black. I'm like, well, you know, we're here, we want to see downtown, so we'll go. And you know, I'm thinking this is ridiculous. I'm co- I'm uncovering my head. Next thing I know, I have this. They call them the Matawa, the religious police. And this guy's chasing me with a stick. Really? Oh, yes. He was trying to hit me with a <laughs> stick. And he's telling the men I'm with, because they don't speak directly to the women, cover her head. Cover her head. Oh. And I'm like, cover my head? Are you <laughs> kidding me, right? So, you know, you had to laugh. It was a different culture. You know, it wasn't really, I wasn't really offended by it. I just right. thought it was odd. Right. Um, but then you'd go to try to eat the shawarmas. You know, you go to the restaurant, and we pull into the you know, pull up to this place. It's supposed to be the best shawarma place in town. And there's yeah. a sign on the building that says, no women or pets allowed. Wow. Wowzers. And At least I'm women was first before pets. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. We're above the dogs yeah. by this much. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny. Is it still like that, do you think? No, no. no. Well, no, a lot a lot has, has changed. But, you know, my air crew, the funny thing is, is these guys are going... Tell us what you want, and we'll run get it. And I'm like, over my dead body, or they're getting one one cent of our American money. We are right. not. We're not going in there. Right. I oh don't know. Gosh. Sounds like it was pretty good shawarma. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been. <laughs> must have been. It must have been. Wow, that's insane. So how yeah. many? You weren't there a few times, right? Yeah, a bunch of times, a bunch of times. And we weren't even allowed to ride in the front seat of our own military vehicles as women. Oh, oh my God. gosh. That yeah, is so crazy. That's crazy. crazy. That, crazy. Th- what a what a learning experience. You know what though? There was a there was an, a a lady that had graduated, uh, you know, a few years ahead of me that flew the A ten, Martha McSally, and she was like, "We will not have this," and she fought and she fought. And now she's I don't know a congresswoman or something out of Arizona. But because of people like her, the our military stopped making our women wear the abayas and started standing up f- for them. I so. think that's amazing. That's really wow. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Really she awesome. Was, I mean, she was like, "This is not okay," and she did something about it. Oh, that is yeah. just crazy. Yeah. So during your time in, in the Air Force, mm-hmm. you crashed? You were in a plane crash? 
Okay, let's be very careful how we phrase that. Yeah, because I'm wondering about this. <laughs> incident. I was a incident. incident. Okay. No, it was a real crash, okay. but I but I was the passenger. I did not crash the plane. I was a passenger, and I had just graduated from the Air Force Academy two weeks prior. So the only thing I'd ever flown was a sailplane, um, and it was a uh, friends of the family. Uh, it was supposed to be like a graduation gift. They were flying me to Lake Powell for the weekend to go water skiing uh, with some other people. Uh, and <clears throat> it was a terrible trip. <laughs> we got there. There was no ski boat. We slept on a rock. We were coming back the next day. The whole thing was a nightmare. I actually woke up in the middle of the night that night, and I knew that there was going to be something wrong. Like, I knew there was going to be a crash. Oh, it was It was crazy. Terrible. You know, it was just crazy. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a rock at Lake Powell. I have no other way to get home. I'm like, okay, I'm just, you know, I'm, that's not real. So, of course, I get on the, get on the plane. We fly back, um, and we start having engine problems. And I learned very quickly that when you can actually see the propeller blades when you're in right, flight. Right, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're supposed to be moving so fast that you're looking through them. Yeah. And, you know, the plane coughed and, and uh Next thing I knew, we were, you know, we were falling. And um, what had happened was there had been a very small leak in the in the fuel line that the pilot missed on the walk around. There was so there was some pilot error involved. Uh, there was you know some mechanical, uh, but I was the passenger. <laughs> Let me reiterate. So um, you know, so I learned a lot that day about myself. I learned. Uh, you know, how to stay calm, how important it is to stay calm in that kind of a situation. You can freak out later. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, you have, feel like you have all this time to have all these really long conversations with yourself about how I'm going to handle this. And you look back and you go, it was like 30 seconds, you know, or it was so short. But um, I remember thinking, you know, I could take the controls because this guy's pointing left towards the lake and the guy in the back seat can't swim. And over to the right, here we have the field, which is where I would have landed the, air, the aircraft. And so he starts talking on the radio. You're supposed to, you're supposed to uh, maintain aircraft control first, not communicate. Okay. Um, so anyway, so he was talking first and turning left, and I thought I should have been turning right. And, um, you know, and hats off to him because I lived. So right. I know I'm like, oh, well, he did this wrong and he did that wrong. The guy got us all and nobody died. Right. Wow. So, you know, so so good on him. It's easy for me to but to right see it. But you done it better. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> good for you, girl. <laughs> but, you know, you're sitting there and you're obviously second-guessing the guy because you're getting ready to crash. And there was a moment where I said to myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the controls and I'm going to land us over here in this field. I mean, I no motor now. It's just like a sailplane. Just put it in the field, right? And... My whole conversation was like, you know what? He might relinquish control. If I say it with enough confidence, he probably will. But if he doesn't, he owns the aircraft. Punch him in the throat. Oh, I'm sorry. You punch him in the throat <laughs> and then land the aircraft, right? Yeah. So I hadn't thought about the punching in the throat you thing. That may have changed me. everything. You should have called me. <laughs> Karen, what do I do? Oh, I'm crashing. But so I said, you know, if he if he doesn't relinquish control, we're all dead. Right. So I did one of the hardest things I had had to do at that point in my life, and that was to be the wingman, you know, to, to be the number two, to be the best mutual support I could possibly be, you know, pointing out the power lines, yeah, yeah, yeah. crash into the, and, the, and that kind of stuff. And um, so that's what I did. And then we crashed in the wing, in the airplane cartwheeled, and we were right by a, it was a hairpin curve of a road. The wings ripped off. Um, 
the airplane stopped moving, you know, and I, we wound up right side up in the end. And and I'm flying out of the air. The door's all banged up, and I'm trying to, you know, shove it open. And the other guys are just sitting there. Whew, we made it. I'm like, get out, get out. And they're like, what? It could blow. Right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. Well, there's no gas left. We didn't know that. But it was so funny. You know, and I'm running around going, I survived, I survived. And I have a piece of the aircraft actually at my parents' house still, a big chunk of it. That, that is the home. coolest thing. Oh, wow. First of all, the fact that you survived and you oh, were I'm so lucky. Yeah. And, the, and then you went on to be a pilot. That just blows my mind. I learned I like being in control. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, the hardest thing, even driving, the hardest thing is being a passenger. Like, yeah. Not having that control. Yeah, exactly. You know? I got my wife next to me all the time. Like, well, I said, look, I'm, I'm in my 40s. I've survived driving a long time without you telling me where to go <laughs> and what to look out for. You know? It's like, it's so I can imagine being in that plane. Like you said, you had a really. Uh, had a fight with yourself. To but you're say, talking you know, 30 seconds, but you're... Well, it was like probably these, a little yeah. bit longer than that. But I mean, you know, it feels like I had hours to think about it. Isn't that but weird? you really don't. I've been on a puddle jumper. Uh, I lived in Seattle to mm-hmm. go to the islands. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're going 20 miles an hour, like in a little in a little plane. It feels like you're going slow. So I can only imagine that just it must have felt like you were going to free fall. It must have been... It did. It yeah. must have been really scary and to have all these thoughts going in your head and... You know, you could have panicked and wanted to, like, get out of here. I got this. You know, uh-huh. I'm sure that like, crossed your mind. Well, and the funny uh-huh. thing was my brother, who's a pilot, had told me, do not go. Do not uh-huh. go. This pilot is a civilian pilot. He hasn't been, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right. but he hadn't had some specific mountain flying courses that I guess were different. Oh, my God. So my brother, my brother right. had said, don't go. So I had to call him and say, you were right. <laughs> I'm at the Gunnison <laughs> Hospital. Come get me. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. And my mom that day was actually sitting at a wedding. We were supposed to come home like two days later. So it wasn't even the day we were supposed to be flying. She was sitting next to the pilot's parents at a wedding. And in the middle of the wedding, she just was overcome by the need to pray for my safety in an airplane. So when she got the call two hours later, she was like, yeah, I'm th- that's to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that is yeah, so was, incredible. So your family, all, you and your family all had a, a gut feeling about this. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. We all knew that I wasn't supposed to go. And what I do? I went. And no, yeah. no injuries? No well, bumps and bruises? You know, it's interesting. I couldn't bend over to tie my shoes for about a year. A year? Yeah. Um, I would turn, my head would tumble. Um, like whiplash? Oh, like your equilibrium was off? Well, you know, when when you're. When you're military and you're an av, you know I was not a pilot yet. I was you know still you know I was going off to do this non-rated job, but still, um, you know unless there's blood shooting out of a missing limb, you know you're fine and right. you don't go to a right. to military doctor because you don't want them to know anything's wrong with you. Right. And um, so I'm sure I probably had concussions and who knows what, uh, but it was it was a long time. I didn't know if I'd be able to pull G's. Or, or, you know, or not at that time, it, you know, like I said, I still couldn't pass the eye test. And right. so I wasn't worried about that. But but yeah, it took it took me a good while before I could bend over and wow, tie my shoes again. So like, well, at one point, like a year later, you're like, oh, my God, I could tie my shoes. This is it must have been an amazing day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I so bitter. <laughs> I can't take you. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. No, I'm just saying like yeah, to, 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 we take for granted the simplest things to do. And for yeah. you like, oh, my God, what this that must have it's been It's like having vitiligo. Is it vitiligo all the time? What is it called? When you can't vertigo. 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 Vitiligo is a skin disease. Yeah, I know. Why did I say that? You're right. <laughs> Cut that out, would you? No. no. I know you won't. No. You're so bitter. <laughs> uh, vertigo. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like I had vertigo for like three months. It was the worst three months where you sit up and you feel like you're going to throw up immediately. 
immediately. Mm-hmm. And they found out I had a very deep inner ear infection. Ooh. Was it like that? Maybe you had like some kind of like inner ear issue? Well, yeah, I don't th- know. There are some severe concussions that, that take a long time to get over. You see some yeah. baseball players now that don't mm-hmm. get back to playing for a couple months. And you know, and you could have been really severe. She was in a plane crash. <laughs> a plane crash, Karen. Yeah, you think you're right. She was in a plane crash. She was in a plane crash. Passenger. She's screaming passenger. Passenger, passenger. yes. Yeah, so we know <laughs> you did not crash the plane. <laughs> we made you. that very clear. <laughs> We've established that. Yes. No Good. broken bones, anybody? No, no. nothing. No. Uh, the other two guys didn't have lucky. a scratch on them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They, yeah. That is, is it the crazy. last time you um, flew on a little plane like that and let someone else fly? You know, it's funny because I still to this day don't like those little planes and my husband is dying to buy one. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he wants my, he wants our kids. You know, our kids, I'm sure, will grow up flying. So that's going to be something that's going to be tough for me to, you know, to yeah. get over. That and my fear of heights. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. What? Why what? are you in the wrong profession? <laughs> <laughs> I, feel I can't see. I'm counseling. afraid of heights. <laughs> She needs counseling. Awesome. Let's counsel her. My husband would agree with you. <laughs> oh my gosh. How did you possibly? That's amazing. You're afraid of heights? You know, with an ejection seat and afterburner, I'm good to go. But like looking looking over a ledge, not happy. Oh not happy. Oh my gosh. You're mm-hmm. amazing. I can you understand so that. Amazing. Like planes don't bother me like looking out of the window. But yeah. like sometimes as I got older, yeah. if I look over something, I just get a feeling of like, oh my God. It might be trust yeah. issues. I'm afraid someone's going to push me. <laughs> Oh, you've been in the New York subway system. I never, I never, I never turn my back in the subway. <laughs> ever. Exactly. Yeah. So in some of the things I read about you, you had five broken noses. Yeah. But the most interesting one was when I broke it at the beginning of pilot training. Because, again, now that I'm actually in pilot training and I've worked so hard to get to the point where I'm actually being paid to learn how to fly, um, I was not about to go to the doctor and say, check out my broken nose. Uh, it was clearly broken. Um, and, you know, I was like, well, do I just wash back another class and let it heal? And I went, no way. Um, no way. I've worked way too hard to get here. People wash back and they wind up washing out. And I just, I just wasn't going to do that. So I just decided to keep going. So I would fly and the oxygen mask sat right across the bridge of my nose where the, the break was. So every time I pulled G's, my eyes just watered from the pain. Oh, wow. So, of course, it wasn't healing because every day I'd fly and it would, you know, I'd pull G's in my, you know, my broken nose is making my eyes cry. And the instructors would say, why do you cry when you pull G's? (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) You are the best. (laughs) I'm just so happy to do this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. I have to ask the question. This is coming from me. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Inquiring minds want to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're in the suit, how do you go to the bathroom? Sorry, Seth. I have to ask. <laughs> it's not flying for you're 24 hours. Well, she has nine. Flown missions. Nine? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, the first time I tried to just dehydrate myself when I flew from Colorado to Hickam, Hawaii. Oh, that's where uh, we were, Hickam. Right yeah. Out, right outside of Hickam. Yeah. yeah. So dehydra- dehydrating yourself is not the recommended solution. Oh. Because even if you drink nothing and eat nothing, you're still eventually going to have to go. Right. So it's just really uncomfortable. Um, and staying hydrated is super important because it not only affects your decision making, but it affects your G tolerance uh, very much. So you really have to stay hydrated. Um, when I first started flying the F-16, there weren't there weren't any good rest um, stops. Like you couldn't just yeah, stop. pull. I would pull over. I would say, "Hang on, guys, I need a minute." <laughs> 
you know, the guys had this piddle pack thing. And it's like, that is not fair. Um, and for the girls are like, here's this thing that, you know, I don't know, it was some, I don't know, it was some civilian thing that they, that they passed over or what, but you know, it was, it was totally non-effective. And you think about it, the F-16 has two leg holes with, um, equipment all the way up to the knees. Uh, your, your stick is on the side. So it's not like you can like switch hands and, you know, the, it's on the right hand side as you fly with your right hand. And then the throttle's way over on the left side. And the ejection seat is tilted back 30 degrees so that it fits inside the bubble canopy. So you're flying uphill. You're, you're seated, you're seated like uphill. Right. And then your flight suit doesn't zip down far enough. Oh my gosh. So after the Hawaii thing, I had learned, okay, I have to hydrate. And so I was flying on my first live bombing mission. I mean, we, we drop a lot of bombs in training, but there were all these little, mostly it was a little 25-pound dumb bombs that just go poof. And, you know, so you can see if you're doing the maneuver right. Uh, but we had gone up to, was it Yakima, I think, up in Washington. And we were there at the live, at, you know, at the live bombing range, dropping the nice big, you know, 2,000-pound bombs. It was pretty exciting. And... So it's the first time I've done this. We were going to have observers on the ground uh, near near the target. So you're like, you better not miss. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want that Those job. guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no pressure. I've never right. done this before. <laughs> Just don't miss the target. So, you know, I'm well hydrated because I have to get this mission right. And, you know, we go, we fly our mission, we drop the bombs. Everything's great. You know, we only have, you know, maybe 15, 20 minute drive back to the, to the base to land. And that is it. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm full. I'm like, okay, I just, I need the facilities and I'm not going to make it. So I, so I pull out this thing and I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh gosh, okay. I don't, this isn't going to work very well, but I'm, I'm dying and I don't want to have an accident in the aircraft. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm a new wingman. So I'm flying on the wing. I'm in this root position. So the, the flight leads out in front of me a little bit and I'm, you know, kind of following along from a distance. And so I realized that I have to, Un, I have to uh, unstrap from the ejection seat in order to get in there and get my flight suit unzipped and try to you know take Holy care of things. Cow. So I'm flying with my right hand. I'm you know I'm I'm now unbuck I'm you know unbuckled from the ejection seat. I'm got my flight suit unzipped and I'm trying to figure out on if there's any way to make this work without you know having it make things worse right, instead right, of better. Right. And so I have everything apart and I'm looking. I'm just going. There's this just isn't going to work. And I, I look up, and you know I'm looking up a lot. Obviously, I'm right. flying in formation, but uh, my flight lead rocks his wings left and right. Well, that's the nonverbal signal to come into position, like move in. Oh. He's rocking me into his wing, and that's because there's a big cloud in front of us, and we're flying visual formation. So I need to pop in, get on his wing, and fly on his wing while we go through this cloud. And it's a pretty nice day, but there is this big cloud there. So now. I have to get into position. I'm I'm not attached to my ejection seat anymore. If anything happens, oh. I'm dead. I still have to go to the bathroom. I still have stuff everywhere. So now I'm like flying with my right hand, getting in position. You know, you have to throttle so you don't crash into the other guy. So I'm using both hands, trying to get myself rebuckled and rezipped. And oh my gosh, it was crazy. But I did wind up um, safely landing. I didn't have to eject. I didn't hit anybody. Oh. And and I learned that I can handle a lot more than I think I can because my bladder. Held, held true. <laughs> so I, yeah. You know, so. you shouldn't have invented depends. Well, <laughs> you know, you. That's funny because that's what I wound up using in the desert. Really? Yes. Adult diapers. There were two other l- girls there from another unit. We were the only three at the base, and 
that's what we would do. We would take a bring a Ziploc bag, like a large Ziploc bag for, you know, anything that was used, and you would just unzip and slide it under, use it, and then put it away. And I was like, why were they trying to mess around with all this other nonsense? It was so much easier. Right. So much easier. I so totally would, I appreciate that because my sister, uh, she's always, like, every time we go somewhere, yeah. I have to go to the bathroom. To, I'm like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. We just got in the car. It's like instant. So the last time I took her someplace far, I said, you're going to have to get to Penn. Yeah. I mean, you have to. I'm not stopping. Yeah. She's like, you got to stop. I'm like, you're not, I'm not stopping. <laughs> Here, you You're so nice. I know. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm a good sister. So embarrassing. My mother's going to kill me that I shared that story. I think that's Way the greatest. <laughs> no, it's no, it's but, it makes sense. but I mean, it's real. Yeah, it's real. You made it. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I was lucky. I had no accident. I wonder if, like, I should have asked um, Anna, the astronaut, if that's what they use. Oh no. They, oh, I'm she, sure they have something better yeah, by now. They have something really crazy great now. I'm sure they've sure. got to have something better. Like by a now. whole evacuation system of some <laughs> sort. I feel like flying a fighter pilot, a fighter jet, uh, F-16 would be a little more. Just have the speed and the controls and what you said, your hands, both hands being used, be a little more challenging. Yeah, actually. you're kind of busy. Yeah, kind of busy. That is incredible. And the margin for error is very small. I would think very small. <laughs> wow, that is so. Gr- I can't even. So tell us about com when you flew missions that were like covert. Like, right? Colvert. Colvert. Col- I'm yeah. really messing it up today. Yeah. Cobalt? Thank you, Cobalt. No, Colvert missions. Uh-huh. Tell us about that. Like, I know you can tell us everything. Uh huh. But I know she can, but then she'd have to kill us. Oh, that that <laughs> wouldn't be so bad today because I'm screwing up. But go ahead. <laughs> tell us about that. Well, um, you know, there's a lot of different kind of. Well, there's there was the classified location for yes. Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, you know, that was interesting because I had deployed so many times before, but this was the first time that we were deploying to what we didn't know whether or not it was going to be a war. And we had no idea how long we were going to be gone. And we couldn't tell our families where we were going. Wow. And that was really tough. Wait, did you have them. kids then? I did not have kids then. Okay. But there were people there that did. Yeah. You know, there were, and I can't imagine, you know, what they had to go through. Um, but luckily for me, I didn't I didn't yet. Uh, but so, you know, you, you land in this hot desert environment. They say, here's your tents, build a city, and you build your little city, and, you know, you start flying. They say, here's a new bomb that you've never dropped before. Everybody learn how to drop it real quick. So everybody wow. learns how to drop it. And then they say, okay, we're at war. And, you know, some people... Um, you know, you start off with the first group that gets to go in and fly. And, you know, I'm the scheduler. I'm like, when's my turn? Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, so so I started off sch- scheduling all the combat sorties and and I was flying too. But when I finally got started, um, when it was my turn to finally go in and, and get to drop, we got, well, or drop or not drop, you just don't know. You know, I was all ready to go and I was flying and it was my turn to go in and, and get into the combat rotation. And we got the call. They said, you guys have to be totally out of here in 24 hours. Gone. And the country didn't even know we were there where we wow. were. Like that. I mean, the the, the, the local populace, right, like right. This, it was not common knowledge that of, we were so far out. They didn't really know that we were there and they wanted to keep it that way. So we packed up and we left. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, I didn't, my turn. I didn't get to drop anything. I didn't get to blow anything up. But, um, but you know, the missions, you know, flying in, in AWACS was actually just as interesting because even though I wasn't the pilot, you know, we're, we're patrolling the no-fly zone in the north and in the south. And, um, you know, and there was just, there were some tense times 
you know, yeah, in there as well. But you know, again, a lot, a lot of stuff that I just it's don't talk that's about. insane mm-hmm. because my brother was um, Air Force and yeah. he was in the desert mm-hmm. and he was during um, the um, I don't think it was Iraqi. I'm not positive, but he's had some real issues since then. Because mm-hmm. he, and I'm telling you what, when you talk about scud missions, mm-hmm. it must have been like so, must have been crazy, right? Well, the interesting thing is that where we were based, um, you know, we're kind of like out in the desert and they have this little thing of barbed wire around us. And I'm like, that's supposed to protect us? Right. I could jump over that. and. You never knew if we were going to be discovered, if we were ever going to be attacked, if you didn't get a real good, it wasn't an established, you know, we're in and out of Riyadh, we're in and out of Inserlik, it was, we're classified, we're, you know, this is, it, it was, it was very different. And we had our little hard hat, our pots we wore on our heads, yeah. sometimes we'd run around, we didn't always have to wear those, but you know, you're sleeping as a pilot, luckily I got to sleep in a trailer instead of a tent, so that was, that was big stuff. But, right, right. Um, so I'm sleeping in this in this trailer, and you know you hear the. I mean, the jets were flying all night and all day, and so you'd hear that, and I just I became a, a light sleeper right. because you didn't know, and we never did get attacked on our base. Right. Um, we had a couple of scares where we had our pots and we had to dive undercover, and you know, and then nothing happened. But but even I, I understand. It was just enough to say, wow, you know, the people that really did experience. Um, you know, the bombs going off around them on the ground. I can't imagine the PTSD, you know, that they that they would have to go through. And, there, and a lot of, not only just PTSD, but he was in Desert Storm and there was a lot of um, fallout from them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they were setting the bombs off at one mm-hmm. point to bring everybody back. And yeah. he, he was there doing it all. So he has a lot of health issues now because of that. Mm-hmm. But he's retired Air Force and he's doing well. But it, it just, it just really brings it all home when you hear somebody that's been through it yeah I mean, you can't imagine this stuff and you you know when you're in this country and you're living so freely uh-huh. you forget that these people over there doing those things every well, day and there are a lot of people like i said that did way more than than me i was really just happy to be them i was happy to be be there right. you know if we were going to go i wanted to go and i want to be part of it so you know even though i didn't get to do everything that i wanted to do um you know i was just really it's just monumental grateful that you to were be part there. of it right. i was grateful to be part of it and it was an honor to be there with such amazing people that were out there doing amazing things. They really did. That That is incredible. And then it ends up that you, what did you do after 9-11? You did a presidential missions? Or? So after 9-11, um, we had our, so you know, in Colorado, we're not near the coasts, obviously. Um, and our mission had always been to, you know, we would spin up, if you, as you say, uh, get ready for deployment, and then we would deploy overseas and then come back. And... So the concept of being a fighter pilot was we we practice here and then we go over to the bad guy country right. and that's where all the bad stuff happens. Uh, and all of a sudden, we were flying over our own homes, over our own friends and our own families, not with training weapons, but with live weapons. And my husband's also an airline pilot. And so... You know, we're out there now doing these combat air patrol missions, uh, you know, in Colorado and, you know, the whole region, knowing that if someone tried to hijack an aircraft, an airliner to use it in that way again, that we would be there and that we would have to be the ones to stop them. And the gravity of that was was pretty huge. Um, You know, you don't, 
I remember one day I'm flying and I feel like this little kid in this airplane. And I'm thinking, do they know that I'm only, you know, how old I was? Right. I'm like, I feel like I'm a little kid in this big multi-million dollar aircraft. And nobody is allowed to be flying in the entire state but me and my wingman. There's, it's the two of us. Every other aircraft is down, you know, the first few days after right. 9 right. It's just us. And, you know, the air is still, the radar is is, is silent. The, the radio, there's no radio chatter. It's quiet. The sun's rising. The mountains actually look purple. Like, it's just patriotic. And, you know, and I'm just crying in the airplane just because of the, you know, what had happened. And right, no right. one could see me. Of course, I didn't know I was going to tell everybody later. Oh, it's <laughs> crying in the airplane. Um, but so, you know, we went from doing this one kind of mission to all of a sudden defending our own families right. and friends right at home. And, you know, we're rolling in on, you know, little civilian airplanes, you know, a doctor flying home from, you know, being out in a field somewhere we're flying to front range airport like no you're not you're going back so we had a lot of those kinds of things and one of the missions that we did was uh was the uh, combat air patrol for the presidential support and the vice president and so we would do the same kind of um patrolling you know over over them and you know the the folks in dc they get to do a lot of that uh but for us you know we had um you know we had uh, flying that we got to do down in texas and then also up uh, up in the uh, wyoming area you know, for the president and vice president for various holidays. And we would we would just orbit. We would just fly in our armed aircraft and just protect them and right. make sure that nobody came in. And so we're, we're orbiting over the president down in Texas one night. You know, we're, we're feeling pretty cool. You know, we're protecting the president. Well, you know, it's a pretty simple mission, actually. <laughs> we're just flying in a circle and hoping nothing bad happens. I mean, we're ready, but, you know, I mean. And this is Bush? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to mess anything up, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> but we get this. We're, we're feeling pretty proud of ourselves. And we get this call from the Secret Service. Hey, could you guys maybe climb it up over the cloud deck? Because you just woke up the president and he's trying to sleep. <laughs> wow. Like, oh. So sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Me? that's Oops. awesome. How many people would say they woke the president up with an F sixteen? It's pretty cool. So, so then you had to climb up. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. So did you ever meet him? So President uh, Bush Senior was actually the one who uh, gave me my nomination to the Air Force Academy, and I just applied. You know, and he was the vice president at the time, and you know, I, you know, you don't you don't know what you you can accomplish unless you try. Right. So. I applied and he picked me and you know I thought it was awesome so of course I'm going to go try the Air Force Academy the president tells me that I should go right so um and that was a really really special thing for me so I'd gone through the whole four years and then it's funny that you asked that because my sister was living in Florida at the time this is you know I'd been a lieutenant for you know a year or two and um and I'm flying home or maybe I have the timing wrong because he wasn't the he was he was flying on civilian planes at that point, and why I don't remember the details. But I was flying home from having visited my sister in Florida, and we had 20 minutes before we had to leave for the plane. So she said, "You can either get dressed for the flight home, or we can hit the beach for 20 minutes." Well, right. we hit the beach. We don't have those in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So of course we hit the beach, and I got on the plane. My mom had always told me, "When you fly, you dress professionally. You never know who you're going to see." You know, you don't get on the plane with sand and salt water in your hair Uh with a wet swimsuit and you just, you don't do that. Well, sorry, mom, I did. And I get on the plane and I sit down all these really good looking young men are getting on and they're all dressed in their suits and they have this little, you know, telephone cord things hanging down into their shirts. 
what is going on? Turns out um, George and Barbara Bush are flying in first class. Oh. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm looking down at my sloppy, <laughs> my, I look terrible. And I said, you know what? This is this is it. Mom was right, yeah. but I'm I'm gonna go say thank you. And so I had to some explaining to do to the Secret Service guys who were not gonna let me in first class dressed like that, looking like right. that. But I finally, they said okay. So I go up there and I just said thank you so much, you know, for nominating me. You know, and this is what I'm doing now. And and um, you know, it was really cool. And, and uh, he said, how y'all doing? You know, and I was like, you know, in the military, you know, he was out of, you know, I was out of office now. And I was like, oh, you know, we miss you. And Barbara goes, oh, Aww. you know, it's just so sweet. What a great, that's so, a great they were story. Neat. Yeah, like, you must have mustered up the courage to do that, right? Because you felt like a bum. <gasps> oh, I was a bum. I looked <laughs> terrible. I was like, you know, I'm going to regret this if I don't at least ask. Right. So... That is such a great story. So life goes on, mm-hmm. and you meet your hunky husband. Yeah, were you? You were not military. You were active duty then, right? So no, I was in the National Guard. Okay. Yeah. Um, he he actually grew up less than a mile from where I grew up. We're both from Evergreen. He was my little sister's senior class president. So I asked her. I said, "Do you know who this guy is?" She's like, "Of course I do. He was our senior class president a you know, hundred oh years gosh. ago." And I had made fun of his name on, on the list of people applying for the for the new hire position. And the girl that was that was handling, she said, oh, do you meet that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and then we actually met at a mutual friend's retirement ceremony. It was a guy that he had flown in the airlines with that I'd flown in the guard with and was retiring from the guard. And I didn't know that that's who, that he was our new hire, but I saw him sitting and he was facing you know the speaker and I only saw his right ear. Never dated a blonde-haired guy in my life. Saw the side of his face, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, there he is! I'm done. That's it. That's it. I'm done. Just He's mine. From, just from the ear. Yeah, must be a heck of a right <laughs> ear. One too. hell of an ear, <laughs> dude. <laughs> and that was it. And you know, he was—he's he's amazing. Absolutely, he's just—I'm so lucky. He puts up with me and my nonsense, and and all of it. And he's a great pilot, which is good because they're not all great pilots right. and I know I don't have I still worry a ton but I don't have to worry quite as much because I'm always good at, really good at what he does is he not he's not active duty now or he National Guard mm-hmm. oh, National very Guard. humble he still flies he still is out there defending us you know every day that is awesome he's amazing and you have children right yes and what now mm-hmm. you have to tell me about your kids okay so we got started late we have a 10 um, year old one that just turned 10 a boy and then we have boy girl twins that are seven and a half Oh, how crazy nice that is. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And everything was perfect? Everything's good? <laughs> well, I thought I was pretty amazing after the first kid's delivery. I got to say, I was like, oh, that was perfect. Okay, it wasn't textbook. It was two weeks late, you know, emergency yeah. C-section. So, no, that wasn't perfect either. But um, but with our twins, um, that whole thing was, was crazy. We had actually um, just lost one. Very early on, you know, prior to finding out we were having the twins. And, you know, women have gone through so, so much worse. Um, but, you know, it was, you know, it was still still a big deal. And we said, well, we just we want to make sure we see a heartbeat. So we, we go in and we're looking to see the heartbeat. And, oh, my gosh, it's so obvious there's two. And I almost fell off the table. I looked at my husband. I said, you got to sell your truck. <laughs> <laughs> So, which he did, and he bought a different one that had room for all three little car seats <laughs> in the back and not just, yeah, under the suicide doors. 
So, you know, everything, I thought everything was, was great um, until we hit 26 weeks. And I'm at Drill Weekend. I'm in a size you know, 500 flight suit. <laughs> I look like the Michelin girl, you know, just roly-poly. Um, yeah, I, I looked terrible. But anyway, I was huge. And um, to make a long story short, that day, uh, my daughter's water broke. And just a, just a, I, I didn't really know, but my friend was my nurse practitioner. She was military and civilian. She's like, you should probably go to the hospital just to be sure. So I go to the hospital. Next thing I know, they're telling me, you're not going anywhere. Your daughter's water broke. You're going to have these babies any minute. They're going to be less than a pound. They're probably not going to live. Oh. Of course, my husband is at training in Tucson. Of so I course. call him hysterical. Right. He's like, he just like leaves. <laughs> he gets on a plane. He comes home, which is awesome. I mean, he dropped everything and, and came home. And um, and I spent the next 24 hours absolutely freaking out. Freak- this doesn't happen. These kids are 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 perfect. They're they're going to be fine. This this isn't right. You're all you're all lying to me. It's all wrong. You know, and the doctors are coming in and they're saying these, you know, you're going to have these babies and just be prepared because it's not going to be good. And I'm like, get out, get out, get out, get out. And I kept sending them away. And I'm just hysterical. Well, my sister is a nurse. She's off in North Carolina. And she's the one uh, you know, that I, you know, nowadays I send her pictures as, did I take him to the ER for this? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at the time, you know, I'm just, you know, she's, she's far away. She's like, well, babies aren't due for two months. You know, I'm, I'm going to come when they're heat, when there's someone to, you know, hold. Right, right, right. <laughs> so she hadn't been planning to be there yet, but I, w- I was on the phone with her and after, you know, I'm contracting and I'm terrified and I'm just, I'm not handling it well because right. this is not my plan right who can handle that well right. I mean, no, that, this is nobody. not my plan right right this isn't my bed wasn't made that morning like i have a two-year-old at home my parents are watching him and my bed's not made I, I yeah i'm not doing this and so my sister finally said to me towards the 24th hour probably she said tracy those babies are going to seek a stress-free environment if you can't give it to them they're going to find it elsewhere oh, oh. wow and it hit me. I was like, oh, my God, they can feel they there's no fake it till you make it here. Like right. they know they can feel it. They know that I I'm scared. Right. And I, I, I can't say enough about how the angels were around me, how the good Lord was was with those babies. And, you know, and the tools that he gave me way back when I was in survival school. Um, you know, you go through um, evasion training, which was crazy. You go through resistance training, escape training. But the resistance training, you know, I it was like the plane crash. I just had a feeling. I had a feeling that I would use these tools. And I, I always believed that I was going to wind up a POW. Like, I just kind of had a feeling. I was like, right. I just know I'm going to use these. Oh, I'm going to, seriously? I don't want to. I don't want to be a BOW, right. but I just really felt I was always going to need those skills. And it never crossed my mind that I might need those skills in a hospital, you know? And so one of the things they taught us was how to mentally separate yourself from your physical environment. And maybe that's not what they were trying to teach us, but that's what I took from it. And so that's what I did. I mentally changed everything. We're here. These babies are good. I'm good. 
they're fine. They're in the Lord's hands, not these doctors' hands. He's using them as a tool. They don't decide God is bigger. They don't decide. And I had to remind myself of that every single day because I had one doctor that would come in and say, they're going to be born any day, any day, any minute. And then the other would say, you know, hang in there. You know, and so it was, right. you know, it became my little challenge to try to convince this one doctor. Right. And I said, how long am I allowed to stay like this with broken water? And they said, well, most women will deliver within the first day or two. They said, every once in a while, one will make it a week. I said, that's not my question. How long am I allowed to be like this? And they said, well, the day you hit 34 weeks, we would not let you go one day beyond that. And we looked at the calendar and I said, I'll see you in 55 days. Whoa. And 55 days later, those babies were born. You were in the that hospital the whole amazing. time? 55 days. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I only got up to use the bathroom. Even when we had like the tornado warnings right. and we were supposed to get up and go into the hall. I mean, they, the nurses were angels. They were so sweet. I asked nicely and they wheeled my bed into the hall. Like everyone else was up and walking and I'm right. like, wheel. I'm like, I'm not getting up. I'm not moving. Trace, so you did the, the, amb- the amniotic fluid was just leaking? Yeah. And yeah, so, because but they said she's dry, producing more. Yeah, but well, you she can, was producing Well, more. you continue to produce more. So everyone's like, well, what, were you bored? I'm like, no, I was busy 24 hours a day. I'm, you know, scooting. I laid on my left side because that gives better blood flow to the babies. Correct. I wound up an inch and a half shorter on that side, which the chiropractor was able to fix. But, wow. you know, I laid on that side for 55 days. I didn't even lay on my right side. And, um, you know, and, you know, you could feel yourself leaking. I mean, sorry, guys, that's gross. But, you know, so... You just, I would just adjust. I would just adjust to try to minimize the leaking. And I drank a lot of water and I tried to do everything I could to help her, you know, keep water in her pool. I told right, her she right. didn't have a lot of water in her swimming pool. Wow. But we just kept working and working and working and doing everything we could. And and little brother just, you know, bless his heart, he was along for the ride. And when she was born, he was going to have to be born too. Right, right, right. What an amazing, but, amazing woman you are. What an amazing story. Wow. So mentally that tough. That is so really, that is really an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Because and your military training prepared you for this. It was the weirdest thing. Who'd have thought? If it makes sense. It's about your mental, your mental toughness. But I had people praying for me all over the world. So, I mean, that was, that, that was, was a real amazing. thing. Just amazing. And what were they? What did they weigh? If you don't mind me asking, when they were born, <laughs> I ate like it was my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, my little girl was five pounds five ounces. Wow! Wow! And my boy was five fifteen. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow! That's incredible. Yeah. They still did time in the NICU because of the sucks. Right. Yeah, but still, like you must have felt pretty good about it. They, you made it that far. Unbelievable. They. I'm just blessed. I was so lucky because you'd listen on the intercom or the loudspeaker there were people all around me who were not getting the same kind of results that that i was and so i i know it wasn't me it wasn't anything i did it was totally i don't know what what your sister said is so profound it was so powerful and so simple yet so and so makes so much sense but so profound i've never heard that right me either what a great thing to say and yeah and that was it to me that's a great message in life anyway not just for you and your babies just but for people in general yeah. we're always surrounded by so much stress yeah. and we survive better in a stress-free environment too not only your babies but we do too yeah that is a ama- that's yeah. such an amazing story so you have the babies and you go home and being a parent is tougher than the <laughs> air force <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to bring that out <laughs> flying f-16s was challenging it was nothing compared to being a mom Right or you know for my or for my husband being a dad like that is the toughest 
toughest, most challenging, most rewarding thing on the planet, I think. Ever. You know, yeah. I say this to my daughter because she's a three-year-old and my, all my kids have children. And I say, being a stay-at-home mom, because mm-hmm. she's brilliant. She's mm-hmm. brilliant. And she's like, I feel like I'm losing my brain because I'm the stay-at-home mom right now. <sighs> I said, being a stay-at-home mom is the toughest job in the world. Absolutely. You can work, You can dig ditches easier than being a stay-at-home mom. Because mm-hmm. it's just so challenging in every aspect of, you know, you question yourself. You que- and then you question the kids. And you're like, your protection over the kids. Mm-hmm. And it's insane, right? Yeah. you're. It's 24-7. You are, you're always on and nobody's perfect. And right. I think that's the, that's the part that I have to remind myself of is that, you know, as a parent, I want to be perfect. And my kids will tell you, I am nowhere near perfect. Right. I make mistakes every day. I put my head on that pillow at night and I debrief myself on all the things that I would have changed. <laughs> yeah. And I do it every night. I'm like, I want to do this better. I, know. I want to do it better. But, you know, I, you know, if anybody takes anything from my message, I hope it's just, you know, just keep going. Right. You know, you, you, tomorrow will be better. You know, whatever you did today was great, and, and and hang in there. And you know, we're our worst critics, and we can handle more than we think I, we can. And you know, it's it's scary. It's scary thinking we're going to mess up our kids and all that. And you know, I did do this wrong and do that wrong. And uh, nobody's a perfect parent. I say that right. all the time because people <coughs> are like, oh wow, oh, except for Seth. Um, <laughs> they'll be like, wow, all your kids are really accomplished. Here's the deal. Every day of my life since I've had them, yeah. and my kids are in their 30s now, mm-hmm. I say, oh, I should have done this different, or maybe I should have done that different. Nobody mm-hmm. is the perfect parent. Right. There is no way to be the perfect parent. Right. You just got to do the best that you can do and love them as much as you can. That's the key, what you said, because I, I beat myself up about it if I'm not enter- entertaining them enough, I'm yes. not doing enough right. stuff, it's too cold on the weekend, it's mm-hmm. spring already, but it's like, I just try to like show them as much love as possible, because that's... The one thing I can control, right? That you know, is it. Everything else, I do the best I can do and, and mm-hmm. hustle. And but I'm the same as you. I beat myself up about it. You know, yeah. Are these kids bored? Or am I, am I you know, am I doing enough for them? Are they watching too much TV? Am I like, am, yeah. am I doing? You know, there's so many questions. And the yeah. other question is like, uh, just talk to. Them. Or the other statement is talk to them. Yeah. Like talk to your kids. For God's sakes, I. Mm-hmm. So many people write us letters. So many people talk to us. So many people talk to me, and they'll be like, well, you know, I'll say talk to your kids. Set them down and talk to them. Yeah. Make them have a conversation with you, mm-hmm. because that is the way that you get through to them. From yeah. Little on, yeah. even if you're just listening to how they colored a picture, yeah. listen to them, talk to them, engage with them. That is so important. Absolutely, put the phone down, look at them, right? Oh. Talk to them, hug them, and y- you know, and y- yeah. Don't make me. I'm already knife, and I feel guilty about the phone. No, <laughs> no. You know what? You're killing me. Because I pick my phone up, and I'm like, oh, uh, put the phone down. Yeah. But then, like I said, I'll debrief myself every night, and yeah. and then I and then I have to remind myself, you know, these kids are. You know, they're resilient and God has a bigger plan for them. And I tell them that every day. You were put on this earth for something way bigger than I even understand. Right. And I don't know what that is exactly, but I know that I'm here to try to help you. But I'm, you know, I can't mess you up because I'm, because you're in somebody else's hands. And, you you know, I will do the best I can. Someday you're going to learn lessons that are not the ones that I planned. Right, right. But that it's going to be okay. And 
Parenting is hard, and hard. it's hard for all of us. Oh, it's so hard. My do- one of my daughter-in-laws, and my, all my all my kids and my daughter-in-laws, they're just excellent, excellent parents. But I'll never forget her saying to me when they hit like six and eight, she said, I feel like the worst mom ever. Mm-hmm. Like, all I do is yell at them. Stop fighting. Put this away. Down the-. She says, yeah. there's a constant barrage. She goes, I feel like that's constant. I yeah. said, in your head it is because you're stressed about it, mm-hmm. but they're... The- they're not thinking of it like that. I mean, everybody feels like the worst parent ever when you had a bad day and you're like, <laughs> don't do this, don't do that, don't bite your brother, don't hit your brother, don't bite the dog, you know? <laughs> There's a million things. The other day, uh, my two and a half year old daughter is, is a terror. Like, Love that age. <laughs> she's a terror though. And I, I was in between her and her brother and she bit my ass. <laughs> Hard. I gave her like a little slap. Oh yeah. Know? She bit my she bit me. I had clothes on. Yeah. So I was make that clear. <laughs> right through, through my pants, she bit me. Oh and, my goodness. And I gave her a little slap. And it's so funny. She gets her feelings hurt more than anything else. I didn't, yeah. hurt, you know, I didn't slap her really hard. Yeah. But just to let her know, like you can't do that. Yeah. Oh my then like oh then she, then my wife is giving me a hard time. You shouldn't have hit her. I see a <laughs> fingerprint on her face. I was like, Come oh, on, no. stop. <laughs> Ruined like, for life. I said, you know, my son too when he was younger, he, he bit me on the neck when I was carrying him and I yeah. the same thing, he didn't bite me anymore. <laughs> but it's it's just like you need know, to question everything. Oh my god! I, I, I don't know. I told her I said, right. and these kids bite me. They're getting hit. I'm right. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyone's listening? I'm sorry if you think that's the wrong thing to do. Maybe you can set me straight. But is my mind? If someone's biting me. They're getting hit. Wow, I, that, I can't believe she bit you in the butt. She and I can't. I <laughs> tell her no biting. This is a, she's a she's a fighter. She wants to fight and she's aggressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, and she's yeah. sweet though too. She's not just some kid who's like she's not Dexter, you know. She's not. Yeah. <laughs> she's, not yeah, she's not gonna. I don't think she's gonna be a serial killer or anything. But she, <laughs> she's she's very sweet and loving too. But she's also yeah. very aggressive. She yeah. wants to mix it up, and that's why when she's four, she's going to jujitsu. Awesome. Thanks to our previous guest Heather Hardy. Yes. yes, yeah, she's tough. <laughs> she's tough. Yeah. She's going right to jujitsu. But it just reminded me that as a parent, you have to make these split the split second choices. And yeah, um, but I would do it again. Oh, that's awesome. It's I love her to pieces. We want to yeah. change a thing about her. Like her personality and everything. She wants to wear dresses and she wants to bite your face off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to meet her. I like her. That's and awesome. What are you, now, what are the ages right now for your kids? So my boy, uh, my oldest boy just turned 10 and then my twins are um, seven and a half boy girl twins. Tell me there's not a huge difference. This is what I'm coming off of what Seth just said from a girl to a boy. Because I had three sons uh-huh. and a daughter. Uh-huh. How are you there yet? Do you see a big difference in personality? Oh, they're all such different kids. Right. But um, yeah, but my girl, she's exactly you know, she is scrappy. She is scrappy. That's what I mean. Uh, like, this yeah. is the way I described my boys. And mm-hmm. my sons are all very educated, very mm-hmm. successful. But I used to say, you smack them in the back of the head and say, knock it off. They're like, okay, mom. Oh, <laughs> all right. I'm not going to. Girl, she'd be like, you hit me in 1912. Yes, exactly. At 2:45 a.m. Oh yeah. I hate you. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there are definitely some some differences there. That's for sure. Right. Oh, my daughter gets smacked on the hand. She's like, oh, kiss it, kiss it. Oh. Yeah. At seven, she doesn't say kiss it. No. No. <laughs> no. I hate you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I'm ready for that one. Oh my it's gosh. coming. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I used to say this: You can hate me all you want in your room. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. Go to your room and hate me all you want. Say anything you want about me. Don't let me hear it. And they would go to their room, close the door, and have a conversation with themselves. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's tough. It's so tough with 
media and with expectations and schools want kids. Well, my kids, it was mm-hmm. much young. My kids are older, so it was much easier. Yeah. That, you know, they didn't have like the internet as readily and all the stuff oh, that you guys go through. I terrifying. go through now with my grandchildren mm-hmm. and I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Mm-hmm. It is very scary. It's like the world has all this influence over your child that you don't want them to have. Right. You know, and I want to be the one that's deciding how my kids are going to grow up. And all these evil forces are, you know, trying to to come in through all these different electronic medias. And it's just a different time. It is so crazy. And I know you too, Seth, you have to deal with all that. Now you have to worry about sending them to school. In my lifetime of having all my kids go from grade school through college, Mm -hmm. never did I ever think ever once Mm -hmm. that somebody might show up at their school with a gun. Oh, geez. Never. I know we're both in that boat, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Scary. It's scary. Yeah. The things that we have to teach them. Well, I live in Colorado, so you have to also tell them now about other things that are become legal in the state. Right. Like, <laughs> that's Can't take candy from a stranger either. Yeah. That, you know? It's so scary. I mean, it's everything that's... And you know, my husband's just so laid back, and he has a lot of confidence and a lot of faith, which is really great because it offsets me. It's, you know, I'm like... Oh, I'm just panicked. All these things are going to happen and my kids are going to be messed up and someone's going to give them pot and someone's going right. to shoot up the school. And and he's like, Tracy, th- it's they're going to be fine. Remember, and he's right. Remember what your sister said. Oh, yeah. It's so the true. Stress-free environment. It is so It is so true. It is so true. I have to remind myself every day. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that. That one's going to stay with me. I hope yeah. that stays with Seth. I'm going to share that. I hope, I hope it, it stays, stays with, with you, with too. <laughs> I hope it stays with Seth. Yeah. No, I'm going to definitely talk to my wife about that. I, it really just is so, it's a great, one of the best things I've heard since we've done this show. We've heard a lot of great things from yeah. a lot of great people. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So where can we? where can people find you? Say they want to get in contact with you. Say, hey, Trace, come to my house and speak. Where do they find you? <laughs> um, Tracy at faithtofly.com. Faithtofly.com. That's me. Yeah. I can't thank you enough. I mean, I can't thank you enough for being our guest. You are just amazing as a person, but you're just amazing uh-huh. as a woman. The fact that you're teaching other women to just keep going. Go. Move through it. Keep going. I mean, everybody has life situations. Everything. Everybody has tough stories. Everybody's had things happen in their life. Uh-huh. Don't give up. Don't give Don't up. Don't give up. You can handle so much more than you think you can. You can. And, and you're always one decision away from changing your life. Yeah. Just do one thing is what right. I always say. Just pick one thing. Right. Just do one thing right now. Right. 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 You, know? you so want to lose weight? Do one jumping jack. Right. You want to fix a relationship? Write down one thing that you want to be different about right. that relationship. You know, to do, just do one thing. Nothing changes unless you change it. Say, I say that all the time, I know. But yeah. nothing does. Nothing changes unless you change it. And you can. And you don't have to wait for somebody else's approval. Right. It's your dream. It's your life. And y- it's yours. Right. And... It's yours to live. Yeah. So live it. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much. And this week's Mother Says is... Opening your eyes and being awake aren't the same thing. Think about that one. Opening your eyes and being awake are not the same thing. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Tracy. You are amazing. Seth, I hope you have a better week this week, and um, you're not so bitter next week. Mm. Yeah, we'll see you soon. You too. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.
our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.